Like Ruth said, my name is Tristan. Uh, a lot of you know who I am. I was on staff here for a time before the Lord led my wife and I overseas to Turkey. Uh, I think from the moment uh, I stepped into ministry, I knew God had a different plan for me outside of pastoral ministry. Um, he just started instilling in me this heart for lost and broken people. And same with my wife. There was this desire for us to reach out to those who have yet to hear the gospel. I, I got this sweet picture. So Friday night we had a barbecue here. We had close to 100 people come out. Um, it was such a sweet time of fellowship. Um, but as I was walking out, I get this picture from a, a youth pastor I had when I was 12 years old, he, maybe just for about a year. And uh, he sends me this picture. I haven't talked with him for maybe eight years. And it's me at, being, at 12 years old being baptized. And it, all the caption said was no turning back. And what a powerful reminder for me to see this picture that I've never seen before of me getting baptized at 12 and realizing how far the Lord has taken, not just me, uh, but my family within that time. So God is at work through the church to mold his people to engage the lost for his glory. How beautiful is that? You have no idea. You may be working with a, a young kid at 12. I came from a non-Christian background, but you may be working with a, a, one of your, your child's friends coming over regularly. And instead of looking at that friend who may come from a rough background as a nuisance, thinking proactively on how can I pour my life into this individual, knowing that God has greater things for them. Um, that was off topic, but... <clears throat> uh, can I get a little interaction? Is that all right? If I'm going to make people a little awkward at times, uh, we, are, we attend a smaller church, and I love the interaction back and forth. So I'm just going to ask you guys a question just to kind of get our hearts in, into a, um, a spot of thankfulness. But um, a few of you, or as many as you want, just kind of yelling out, what are you thankful for this week? This past week, what were you thankful for? Children? Your kids. Woo. Sometimes that's hard. Pardon? Family. Family, yeah. This church. Health. Me. Love you, Dan. Healthcare workers. Your Bible study. My best friend is alive. Best friend is alive. Jesus. Amen. There are so many things to be thankful for, isn't there? Often, uh, we can easily take that for granted. At dinner time, we always go around the table. What are you thankful for today? Uh, what was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? Realizing and remembering that sometimes the smallest details that we just walk past is a gift from the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? This morning, we're going to be jumping into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and 10. So if you have your Bibles on your phone or paper, please turn. I'm reading out of, I'll be reading out of the uh, 84 NIV, 1984 edition. Um, grab a pen. I'll probably ask you to underline some things or make some notes. But this passage is such a beautiful passage. I've been mulling it over for uh, a, a couple months now. Um, 
as I'm preparing for a missions conference, um, and every time I read it, I am convicted, as we should at times as we read God's Word. But before I dive into it, I'm just going to pray, and uh, uh, if you can pray with me, this morning I woke up with a, a throbbing headache and a canker sore on my tongue, so it's, if you see me drinking water, it's because it's my mouth is kind of hurting at the moment. Um, but pray with me as I pray for us as we enter into uh, God's Word together this morning. Father, thank you so much for your Son, Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that we have in him. We thank you for the ability that we have to come here on a Sunday morning. Father, I thank you for the ability to eat three meals a day. I thank you for the privilege to be able to live in a, a warm house or a cold house, depending on the day. Father, I thank you for friends. I thank you for family. Father, we thank you for vehicles that we can get to point A to point B. We thank you for the air in our lungs and the shoes on our feet, Father. We just thank you for who you are. I pray that this morning that your name and your name alone would be glorified and that your word would speak truth. I pray for boldness and courage to say what needs to be said. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you continue to mold our hearts and transform our minds into the men and women that you have designed us to be. May we each walk out of here challenged, whether it's from worship or from your word or from community. God, you are so good. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so I have the privilege of, and the opportunity of walking path with a number of churches across Canada and in the, U in the U.S., um, opportunity of preaching, teaching, running workshops at conferences, and for any of you guys who know me well, know that those aren't necessarily my giftings, yet the Lord has instilled in me this privilege to be able to come alongside congregations and to be able to speak his word. And uh, there was a time where I was always extremely nervous, and I still am, like I'm nervous right now. Um, I've always been nervous when it came down to uh, preaching or teaching or running workshops. Uh, but a year ago, uh, I kind of came to this conclusion and it kind of lifted a weight off my shoulders. And I say this as an encouragement as, as we enter into 1 Thessalonians. We are not responsible for how people take the word of God. We are responsible for giving it with accuracy, with grace, with love, courage, and boldness. We, uh, as we share and people reject us, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the message that we're bringing. And so when I came to that conclusion, all of a sudden, I was like, okay, um, Lord, I am just going to bring the word and the word alone, and I am asking you to do the rest. Holy Spirit, may you bless the reading of the word this morning. Let's get into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read through the first 10, 11 verses, and then we're going to dig in again. We're going to go through it a second time. And then we're going to go through it slowly. There's a lot in here. I'm not going to be able to do it justice uh, because there's tons packed into these 10, 11 verses. Uh, but what I really would like to do this morning is give you a picture and also to encourage your hearts this morning. Uh, and also, 
My prayer is that I will be able, or the word will be able to create in you a sense of urgency for the gospel, a sense of urgency for those in your spheres of influence who have yet to hear the good news. Is that all right? All right. So let me read. Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And for those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He did not, or he died for us so, uh, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact I know you are doing. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. This passage is beautiful in many senses, and and as we walk through it, I I hope you will get it. We're going to go through it a little bit slowly now. You may be thinking, how is this a missional passage? Here's this missionary speaking, uh, supposed to be giving this great commission um, word. Um, but over my time in this role, two and a half years, I've come to this conclusion um, that uh, a lot of individuals just don't know what we're being called to. And so I switched my thinking. Is Now how can I encourage the church to live boldly in their faith of Jesus Christ so that we can send healthy missionaries? And so anyways... Um, we're going to walk through this just a little bit slowly. We're going to start in verse 1. Um, and please follow along. I hope I am, my time is I'm not uh, going to go too long here. But it says, Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul is writing to a group of believers. He's writing to a community, a family, and he's reminding them. This passage is, is, is a passage of reminder. You know that Christ is going to return. And you know it can be any moment. He will return like a thief in the night. And he's saying, I don't need to remind you of this. You know it. I don't need to write it to, here to you, and so I'm not going to even get into it. Because Paul is saying, you know it. You know that he will return like a thief in the night. It's a reminder. And then he gets into verse 3. And this is where the sense of urgency comes in, you guys. It says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on pregnant women. 
and they will not escape. I've listened to many messages preached through 1 Thessalonians, and and I find um, that we skip over this verse quite quickly. But this verse is essential, because now here Paul is encouraging the body, this family, reminding them, you know Christ is going to return. And then he flips the page here, and he says, but there are some. And we all know these uh, individuals that probably live better lives than most Christians. They do well. They love, they're generous with their time and with their possessions. But here Paul is saying, these individuals will not escape it. Destruction will come on them. Just as quickly as Christ will return, destruction will come on them. And so this verse 3 is essential for the rest of this passage because here, again, Paul is set, setting the stage, reminding them that the, Christ is returning. They know it, and others don't. It's a powerful, powerful reminder that just as quickly that Christ can return as a thief in the night, so then will others fall. There's no escaping the judgment of the Lord. That sounds harsh. It doesn't really sound like the, the, the love wins Rob Bell kind of um, message, but it's the reality. And that should set a blaze within us, just those three verses alone. If we are Christ's followers and we know that Jesus is going to return like a thief in the night, and we know that others have not experienced the love, the grace, the forgiveness, the friendship, that should set a blaze within us, should it not? Because I'm sure you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I don't want people to go to hell. But that's the reality. And so what are we doing about that? And so here we have verse 1 and 2, this reminder. Uh, Paul is saying, you don't need to be reminded of this, but here it is. Christ is returning. You know this. Others do not. And then we get into verse 4. Again, here's another beautiful reminder of who they are. It says now, but you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. And so now we have this sandwich effect here. In verse 1 and 2, Paul is setting again this stage. Christ is returning. You know that. But then the flip side, there are those that don't. They're living good lives. They're, they're doing good things. But they have not experienced that same love and forgiveness and then in verse 4 and 5, here's this, another reminder, but you, brothers, are not in darkness. So it shouldn't surprise you. It shouldn't surprise you. You are, all, you are sons of the light. Can I ask you a question? <clears throat> what, do you, what do you feel when you think of your salvation? Like, truly think of it. You were once lost, and now you were found. You were once dead in your transgressions, and now you were alive. What do you feel when you think of your salvation? I was talking with a gentleman on Friday night, and we were, we were, we were rejoicing together on how the global church has just exploded. 
and how there are some that were in, 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 in Iraq and in Syria, and we were, we were talking about this. And he's like, I wonder what the difference is. And I made this comment. I was like, because I've experienced this. They weep when they think of their salvation. They hold it so close. They weep when they think of their salvation. How beautiful would it be as a church, as a community in Canada, if we held our salvation so closely and we, we were so grateful for it, remembering what we had before and what we have now, that we would weep when we think of what Christ did for us on the cross. How powerful would that be? Paul is saying, remember. Remember who you are. Remember, you have something that others do not. Such a beautiful, beautiful reminder. And then there's this challenge. Yeah, in verse 6. Verse 6 goes on and says, So then, let us not be like the others. It's a warning. Let us not be like them who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. How, uh, how good is everyone here on being self-controlled? Like, are we pretty good? Like, you know, uh, some of us probably have tempers. We probably are overreacting, especially those with small, small kids. At 3 a.m., I do not have self-control. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. And I'm sure we've all faced that with kids. You know, and they wake up for the 18th time. Uh, where... <laughs> My temper, I am, I am the worst at 3 a.m. in the morning. But here, again, there's this, this, uh, this reminder of being alert and in self-control. Brothers and sisters, can I ask you this question? What are you doing in your spiritual lives to help you be alert and self-controlled? What are you doing in your spiritual lives to help you be alert and self-controlled? What are you doing in your spiritual lives that when the enemy comes a knocking, you're prepared? I encourage you to write that question down and evaluate it. What are you doing in your spiritual lives to help you stay alert and in self-control so when the enemy comes knocking, you're ready for it? Um, starting next Sunday, I have the joy and privilege of walking our church through a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as I was preparing our devotional, 21-day devotional prayer and fasting book for the church, I was reminded of, of Christ in the wilderness. And near the end, the, the devil, the enemy, thought he had him. Here Christ was weak, exhausted, hungry, thirsty. And the enemy came, and, and he's like, I, hey, I, I got him. He's tired, he's weak. And he comes and tempts Christ. You know the story. Tempts him. The devil tested him. But yet Christ was prepared. And we can take this as a model of how do we, in our spiritual lives, be ready and alert. Because even though Christ was tired and hungry, what made it different is he just spent, he just spent the last 30 days with the Father. He was prepared. He was ready. 
Yes, he was tired and weak, but spiritually, man, was he grounded. So how do we, how are we doing in our spiritual lives to help us be alert and in self-control? And, and the reason why this is an important question, and, and going back to verse 3, is that if we are not strong spiritually, how in the world can we walk out there and face whatever we are to face, whether it's spiritual warfare. But how can we model good lives to those that we're trying to reach? We need to be ready, and we need to be alert, and we should be praying for that for one another. Christ was alert. He knew what the Father had for him because he was close to him. He was close to him. He was alert, and he responded boldly and in courage and self-control. I love reading that passage because I read it in a way that Christ responded in a calm manner. Like, you fool of a devil. You think this is going to work? The Lord says, and he responds with Scripture. It's a, a beautiful thing to look at and to seek to model in our own lives as we seek to be alert and in self-control spiritually. How close are you with the Father? Do you look at him uh, intimately? I'm not using, often we use the word intimate as like a husband and wife intimate, but do you look at him intimately? Like if he left, every, like the world would end. Or if you left him, you're without hope. How do you look at the Father? I feel like we get this thing wrong in North America all too often, this whole self-control within Scripture. Um, and I'm sure you've seen it too. You go on social media and you see the pastors and preachers and, and, and the response that we're seeing within the North American church is out of anger and frustration. Not saying what they're, what they're saying is wrong biblically. Not all of it is. Um, I just think the delivery is, is not within this grace, love, boldness, courage, and in self-control. We're missing the self-control. And so how do we, as believers, do a better job at that? How are you in your daily life preparing yourself so that you will not fall asleep? That you'll be alert, self-control. Whether... It looks like committing yourself more to prayer on a daily basis, not just a thank you, Lord, for this day, amen mentality, but actually committing yourself and engaging with the Father on an intimate level. Are you committing yourself on a regular basis to be in his word? I feel like the stronger and the more that we can stand on this book, we can face anything. Are you committing yourself on a regular basis so that you know the Word of God on an intimate level? Paul is telling, telling the church to do the same thing here in this passage. We see it. We see this reminder. Let us not be like others who fall asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we belong to the sun. 
Yeah. Verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. All right. Let's kind of recap here. It's nine verses. We see in verse 1 and 2 a reminder. Christ is returning. They know this. Grand Prairie Alliance, Christ is returning, and you know this. It can come quickly. You know this. Verse 3, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. The reality here, you guys, Some people are going to hell. And that should break our hearts. We just sang about, Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. And this should break our hearts. Some people are going, eventually, face judgment day. Some people, we all are. Have they heard the gospel? You are not responsible for how they take it. You are responsible for giving it. No matter who you are and how new in the faith or old in the faith you are, we are all called to share God's story. Verse 4, another beautiful reminder. Grand Prairie Lions, you are not in darkness. You are not in darkness. You are the sons of the light and the sons of the day. You do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So Grand Prairie Alliance, let us not be like the others who are asleep. Be alert. And in self-control, rest on the word of God so that you know it intimately. For those who sleep at night, Sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Do you sense the urgency in this passage? Maybe? (laughs) I know I do. I'm actually surprised I didn't cry through that. I can't stress this enough. There's a third of our world's population who have yet to hear the gospel. Did you know that? Christar, and this is one of the reasons why I love the organization that we're a part of, and we are small, and we're small for a reason, is that we focus on those countries that have less than 1% evangelical Christians, and solely that is our focus. Did you know that less than 1% of North America's missionaries goes to those countries? And even with that, 1% of North America missions giving goes to projects within those countries. You guys, there are people living today who have yet to hear the gospel. I remember when the earthquake happened in Turkey, and this, <clears throat> this weighs heavily on, on Ashley and I just because we love the country so much. 
I came prepared with tissues. <clears throat> I was never a crier until uh, about three years ago, and then I started, I'm just a mess when I, when I speak. They said over 60,000 people died in those earthquakes, which is, is a lie. It's probably three times that. And this is where it hit me, and this is where, when I think of this passage, that it could happen so quickly, is that 60 to 150,000 people went to bed Sunday night. They woke up. What did they face? Judgment. That breaks my heart. Because we, in, in the West, we have something, we have this gift that we've experienced ourselves and I think sometimes we just hold it and say, this is ours. Unintentionally or intentionally or however that is. But the reality is that the gift that was given to us is not just for us. Amen? It's for others. And we should strive to make the world know, let the world know. Because we know that Christ will return and it'll be that fast. And we'll all stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And there'll be a separation. We know where we're going, but there are others that do not. So let us be alert and in self-control. Let us be open. Let us be willing to love as we have been loved. Let us be bold with courage to share truth, not being afraid of rejection. I think that's the number one thing that kind of holds us back. I was always afraid of rejection. There was, there was a, lot, a long time where I was just afraid of being rejected until I started being rejected, and I thought, oh, this is actually isn't that bad. <laughs> I remember sitting in a taxi cab, and the taxi pulled over and kicked me out, well, like 16 blocks from where I wanted to go. But do you know what? He left knowing the gospel, and then the next week I went and jumped back into his cab. Let us be bold. Let us be courageous. Because we are not responsible for how people take it. We are responsible for giving it, for saying it, for living it out. And I truly believe one day there will be people in heaven that we probably ran into. I think, I think of this, uh, uh, um, I don't know what time I have, but I, I think of a, a prayer letter I read of this worker. And uh, he was on the field for 23 years, and he had the same friend, a local friend, pretty much the entire time, 23 years. Now, his friend knew that he was a Christian and a missionary, but because he was such a close and dear friend, this missionary was afraid to share, to push the gospel on him, because he was afraid that he would lose him. And then one day, this local ran into another missionary, that missionary shared the gospel with him, and this man came to faith, and, and he was writing in his letter that his friend approached him and rebuked him. How dare you keep this from me? 
If you think of your friend circles, are you keeping the gospel from them? Are you keeping the love of Christ from them? How cool would it be in a month from now, the pew, this church is full because each and every one of you reached out to someone that's in your sphere of influence that you have yet to share the gospel with. And here's the beautiful thing with it all. You don't need to be Bible scholars. You don't. I'm not a gifted evangelist. I'm not. But do you know what? I know how to use my Bible, and it's quite simple. They ask a question, and you don't really have an answer. There's this part at the back of your Bibles that have lists of verses. It's quite easy to use. We have the ability. Why? Because we've experienced our salvation. And you can share just as much as I can share, or Pastor Andrew, or Pastor Wes, or the leadership, or the elders. We are equal. You have that ability, and you have that mandate. You have the mandate. Go and make disciples of all peoples. How well are you doing that? Um, How well are you doing that? Let's continue reading. And we'll just, uh, yeah. Verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. As a family, we are also responsible for one another. How are you encouraging one another? How are you building each other up? How are you praying for one another so that we, as a community, can stay alert? Does this feel like a safe place to you? It's a good question to ask yourselves. Does Grand Prairie Alliance Church feel like a safe place to you? Sorry if I'm opening a can of worms, uh, Pastor Andrew. Um, (laughs) But does this feel like a safe place? Because if it's a safe place, you should be able to be open about who you are, your struggles. We are a community of broken people, fallen people. We should also be able to share boldly with one another and challenge each other. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you shared God's story with somebody? For some, you're probably thinking, I've never done it. I've been a Christian for 15, 20, 25 years, and I've never shared the gospel with somebody outside these walls. I'm not saying that to convict you. Hopefully, this is going to set a fire underneath you to do something about that. It is scary. It is scary. Rejection is scary. But we are called to share our faith with those who have yet to hear the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the message that we should be bringing forward. It's a beautiful message. How are you doing with that? I'm going to ask the band to come up as I'm way off my notes and we're just going to... And as the band comes up, 
I want us just to think through this. Is there somebody in your purview, in your sphere of influence, that you're thinking, I want them to know Jesus? Write that name down. Write that name down. This is my challenge for you this week. Who can you share the love of God with this week? And not just living in action, because there's this idea that my actions will speak louder than words, but if you never say those words, how are they actually going to know? Because the reality is our actions do speak louder than words at times, but then we just become good people just like the rest of society. And we're, we, ha- we have something more than just, hey, we're good people. Because we're really not. We have Jesus Christ, and we have the message. And so what are you doing with it? Are you holding it tightly, or are you sharing it? Are you taking every opportunity? Here's an encouraging prayer for you to even to introduce into this next week, something that Ash and I have been praying for eight years plus. Every morning, Lord, make you place people in our paths for us to talk to today to challenge and be challenged by, and may we have an opportunity to share your story. Can you do that for me this, this week? Let's remember this. Grand Prairie Alliance, you know Christ is returning. You know he will return like that. And there are some that have not experienced the love of God yet, and they will go to hell. That should break your hearts. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak this morning and to share from the heart. Thank you for your willingness and your faithfulness to serve in Grand Prairie. You guys are doing something special here. Uh, the kids' ministry, the BBS, is, is proof of that. And the, peop- the kids that came to faith through it. So thank you. But I'm going to leave you with that challenge. You know Christ is returning. You have the hope that others do not, and how are you sharing it? Thank you.